Hey fellow brain pickers, this is episode 95 and I had the absolute honor of picking the brain of Alex Scharfen. We went deep into the life of an entrepreneur and what it really means to be an entrepreneur and the struggles that entrepreneurs go through. And this was literally one of my favorite episodes. I actually opened up about uh, some things that I haven't opened up before in public. Um, and Alex actually started to cry. Um, it was, uh, it, we, we really hit it off together. I think we had incredible chemistry going on. Um, I'm really, really excited and pumped for you guys to listen to this episode. Listen to the listen to the end because I guarantee you, you are going to absolutely love what we talk about right at the end. So uh, stick around and uh, I'm excited for you. Let's get into the show. Hey, fellow brain pickers, how would you like to get featured as a guest on multiple podcast shows like this one and get massive exposure? My company, getfeatured.com, will get you featured on targeted shows, will design you a custom bio page, pitch you to the host, prepare you for the shows, and promote you so you get even more brand exposure. Head over to getfeatured.com to get major publicity for your brand. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hey, fellow brain pickers, and welcome to episode 95 of Can I Pick Your Brain My guest today went from almost dying at birth and being physically and emotionally abused in school to building one of the most successful companies in the country, solving the foreclosure crisis and becoming a liquid millionaire within just 12 months of declaring bankruptcy. To say Alex Scharfen is an inspiration would be a severe understatement. His company has appeared on the Inc. magazine list of fastest growing private companies in America three years in a row and has been responsible for helping over six million homeowners facing foreclosure. His company has also structured deals for organizations like Fuji, Samsung, Canon and Walmart that totaled in the billions. Today, Alex is an internationally recognized speaker and business consultant who has helped tens of thousands of entrepreneurs grow and scale their businesses. Now, here's a little rap I put together to help introduce him. Here we go. From the moment he was born, his life was torn. Working from the age of eight to put food in his plate, he decided his fate, it's not too late to recreate. Don't hesitate, it's never checkmate. From financial gain to going insane, boy did he feel the pain. But realized it's all in his brain and now he lives to train. He didn't struggle alone, didn't just save his own. He helped people save their home. So what's holding you back? He'll get you on track, cause he's got a knack. So join his pack and give your excuse a sack. Now let me introduce the man who will help us sharpen. Here's the one and only Alex Sharpen. Alex, welcome to the show and thanks for letting me pick your brain thanks daniel that has to be the most unique introduction i've ever had (laughs) (laughs) i love it bingo baby Ooh, i'm fired up alex how about you i I am that was i I don't know how you couldn't be fired up with an introduction like that that was amazing (laughs) i appreciate you (laughs) thank you thank you i'll send you a copy So, and by the way, you should just know that I struggled for with your freaking name, Sharfen. It's like, what the hell rhymes with Sharfen? 
I'm impressed that you rhymed it. That was badass. <laughs> right. Wow, you've got a crazy backstory. So you almost died at birth. What what happened? So it wasn't, and you know, the, I, I love the introduction. I just want to make sure everybody understands it. The companies I've owned did all of the things that you said, but like I don't own a company that does all of that right now. And, and we can totally get to that in my story. Mm -hmm. okay. um, but when what happened when I was a kid was I had a, um, I was born and then started losing weight um, almost immediately. And my parents had a really hard time getting me to gain weight. Um, I, I lost such a high percentage of weight that they did think I was going to die. And um, so I was I was at the children's hospital in Mexico and they were down to the place where, you know, it was kind of last ditch efforts and trying to figure out what was going on and they couldn't. And, and, and I would not gain weight and I kept spitting up food and um, had terrible digestion. And then a doctor who had seen it before, um, mentioned that it might be pyloric stenosis, which is a deformation of the pyloric valve at the top of the stomach chamber. Mm -hmm. And it's very rare. And um, it's a relatively simple surgery to fix it. Um, but they figured out that's what I had. They fixed that. And then uh, then that, you know, and, and so I, I started gaining weight immediately. Um, but I was I always, you know, had had physical struggles as a kid. Like when I was when I was younger, I, I had severe asthma. I was really uncoordinated. I went through four different growth spurts. So I ended up being the tall, skinny kid and the short, fat kid four times. Wow. And uh, and I and I never like as far as playing sports or any of those things, you know, um, I remember when I was a kid, I'm 44 years old. So in the you're 44. 70s, Shut up. 44. What? 44. Yeah. Guys, I just did a, a little video before with uh, with Alec. Actually, he was top. Well, he wasn't topless, but he was wearing a, one of these sleeveless tops. You look good, man, for forty four. Wow, <laughs> dang. Well, that's that's part of the game. You know, I I think it's that's part of it for us. Um, but when I was younger, we we had that we had this thing called the Presidential Physical Fitness Test, and it was this series of tests to see like how fit kids were. And I was in last place on everything. And when I say last place, like I'm including all the girls in my class. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> yeah, physically, I was a disaster. <laughs> wow. Wow. So what changed? I mean, here's the thing, right? I like to get to the kind of that point. In fact, you know what? I actually watched a video of yours, watched a couple of videos. You're very inspiring. And one of the things you, you asked on stage was when... When did you realize you were different? That was a question that you asked the audience. And you went round and you kind of pointed to different people. And some people said six and some people said eight. So I'm going to throw the question at you. When did you know, when did you know that you were different? And when did things change for you? Um, Daniel, you know, I, I think I knew I was different from the first time I encountered people outside of my family. Um, you know, I, I did not... I didn't feel comfortable around other people. I was a really, really different kid. I was the type of kids that when adults saw me coming, they would say like, hey, look, there's Daniel and Jennifer and Alex, you know, <laughs> and, and yeah. I knew it. I knew it. I could hear that. And so I knew that like I was I was extraordinarily different than the kids around me. You know, I, I asked that question in this presentation you saw, because I think for people like us, there's three realizations that we come to throughout our lives. And, and you know, I was a I was a failing kid. I, I didn't do well at just about anything. I felt like I, I, I wasn't going to succeed. So I started obsessively studying successful people. 
And what I found was all three, uh, there was three things that all of them had in common. One, they knew they were different from a young age. Einstein struggled in school. He had a hard time with algebra class. He failed it twice. He actually created the theory of relativity when he was daydreaming, you know. No, um, that's funny. Elon that's- Musk. Elon Musk talks about school and he says, you know, let's call it what it is. It was torture. You know, he mm-hmm. was bullied. He was made fun of. You know, I, I know that story intimately. And, you know, you go throughout history and, and Thomas Jefferson or sorry, George Washington, you know, the George Washington couldn't tell a lie. Well, George Washington was radically different than the other kids around him. Mm-hmm. You know, today we would we would call that radical transparency, that bluntness. It would probably be called Asperger's or autism. And mm-hmm. so, you know, um, people, the, the greatest entrepreneurs in history always knew they were different. Then the second characteristic they all had is innate motivation. There's this thing that turned on for them mm-hmm. and it never turned off. No matter what kind of adversity they faced, no matter what came at them, they did not turn it off. Like, Daniel, can you turn it off? Nope. Hell no. No. Right. No. I mean, that's who we are. And you know what? The rest of the fucking population can turn it off. In the United States... Only a few years ago, about 20% of the population watched a show like Wheel of Fortune. It is a brainless 30-minute <laughs> exercise in turning your head off. And Daniel, if, if, if they didn't play Wheel of Fortune, the network got hundreds of thousands of phone calls from people who wanted their Wheel of Fortune. They are not like us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and the, the, third, the third characteristics of great you know, entrepreneurs throughout history is that we're motivated by what I call the call of contribution. And it's that voice in the back of your head that, that comes out of nowhere and, and, and might even shock you, but it says something like, hey, Daniel, there's more here. Mm-hmm. And, and you can do more, and you can be more, and you can leave more behind, and you can create more, and you can do more for this human tribe. And, and that call of contribution starts with a whisper. And, and for some of us, you know, especially like me, who I didn't, I didn't think I liked other people, to start feeling this compelling drive to go help other people at first was weird. But I think when you look at the history of every entrepreneur, even Henry Ford, who at the beginning of his career was a bigoted racist, not a good person to be around. He campaigned against Jews, campaigned against blacks, all kinds of stuff. It was insane. Hmm. You look at him at the end of his career, his goal is to democratize the automobile, and he has any type of person working on Ford factory lines at that point. The call of contribution changed him. You look at Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett early in his career talked about don't give any money away, keep everything. Like you need to make him make a return. Like at one point, you know that guy had his cotillion money squirreled away. <laughs> Today, he has the largest charitable fund in the history of the world. So now he's literally giving it all away. So why? I, what, what do you think transforms people? I don't think people transform. I think people like us transform. I wow. think when you look at the majority of society, they're different than us. Um, you know, I, I, my so, book is called The Entrepreneurial Personality Type. Mm-hmm. And I think people like you and I are hardwired different than the rest of the population. Let Wait, me let me one share second, with you. One so, second. Born that, but one second before you do that. Born that way, sure. or people who will listen to this and they'll ask themselves the question of, "Am I an entrepreneur or not? And can I learn how to be an entrepreneur?" What's your answer to that? Um, if you're asking the question, then I would say it's probably a yes. And it doesn't matter what anyone said or what deficit or what you don't feel you have to be able to do it. In throughout history, the it, it, for whatever you you're worried about, 
throughout history, somebody has had it worse and they've gone on and changed the world. And if you have the question, if it's in your mind, then I would say, yes, you are an entrepreneurial personality type. You've woken up. You're, you're stepping out of the matrix that the rest of the world lives in, where you do everything you can to make it to Friday, get so drunk you don't remember Saturday and Sunday and do it again <laughs> on Monday. Right? Um, yeah, I hear that. Oh, yeah. Yes. So if you're thinking about it, then yes, you can. And if you're if you're wondering about it, then yes, you know, get obsessed, start reading, go out and, and, and understand who we are, because I just think we're different, Daniel. You know, when I say entrepreneurial personality type, I mean it. I think that throughout history, there's been this this individual in our society who is pushed and compelled to go forward, to create outcomes, to to expose themselves to vulnerability and judgment, to declare that there's a better future and that insist it becomes real. And mm -hmm. that's not the whole population. The fact is the rest of the population desperately strives to be average and clings to the status quo. They literally want nothing to change. They're terrified of people like us. And, and I think, you know, you look at the population at large, here's my theory, here's my, I believe it's fact. There's four different types of people in the world. If you look at the first population, our evolutionary tribe needed them. It's that big population, it's a lot of the world, it's the majority of the world, it's the people who wanna take care of other people. Mm -hmm. It's the people who like to take care of other people. Do you know who I'm talking about, Daniel? Yeah, I know, 100%. It's mm -hmm. not you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. Because nope. because here's here's the, the person I'm talking. It's the person who actually wants to change the bedpan. Oh boy! And I've had conversations <laughs> with them, right. and they blow right. me away because you know when I'm changing, if I have to do something like change a bedpan, in my mind I'm thinking like, what did I do wrong to end up here? <laughs> right. Right. And but for some people, they're thinking this is fulfilling. If this person needs it, then it's it's what I want to do. It feeds their soul. And for people like people like that are different than you and I. And so that's the first population, the, the caretakers. Then the second population, I call them the talkers. These are the people that will talk about anything. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> these are it, like this is you want to know, like one of the worst questions you can ask an entrepreneur. Hey, what do you think about the weather? Who oh, gives God, a no. shit about oh, the weather? Don't get me started, Alex. That's one of my biggest pet peeves is small talk. I just oh, get small what, talk. Like what oh. is small talk? I get on business calls with with potential clients, and when they say, "So, where are you from?" and I'm I, I'm literally like, uh, you know, I mean, my business partner's on the call, so he's from New, New Jersey, and, and they start talking about, "Oh, where in New Jersey? Oh, yeah, I know that place." Da, da, da. Do you know this guy? And, and I just literally jump in. I'm like, "Guys, are we done with all the geography? Can we get down to business?" Because I'm just like, I don't have time for that. It's like, come on, let's like if I want to socialize. This is going to sound really harsh, and, and they're going to be people that will probably hate me for saying this, but if I want to socialize, I've got my wife, I've got four children, I have a community of people, I have good friends, like, I'll socialize with them. I, I'm not like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't need to socialize with people, and I get people like PMing me on Facebook and, and direct messaging, and I just can't stand when they just don't get to the point. They're like, hey, Daniel, how are you? I'm not going to answer you because... I don't want to get into a whole conversation. I don't know where I'm going with you. And I don't have time to spend with every single person who's just going to be like, hey, how are you? It, it, just get to, like, here's my advice for the audience. If you want to get in touch with somebody and you want to actually make things happen, get to the point straight up. 
I'm so with you, Daniel. I get, I get all the time messages from people that say, hey, Alex, I've seen your videos. I really love your stuff. Would love to grab coffee sometime. Right. Oh, no. Myself, for what purpose? Like, who gives a <laughs> shit? I don't want to have coffee with just random people. Right. I want to have a definite, an outcome. Right. And, and it doesn't so, make you bad. Like, it doesn't make us bad people. It just no it makes us who we are. It makes us who we are because Daniel, we aren't the population that will talk about anything. Because, but did we need that population as our evolutionary human tribe? Right. You know, we need them, right? We needed somebody to say, "Hey, don't go over there." Mm-hmm. Hey, that cliff is is really bad. Hey, you know the weather's getting bad because there was a <laughs> point where you needed to know. Like today, you just walk outside or inside. Who gives a <laughs> shit? But there was a point where it mattered, right? Right. right. And so we, we needed that part of the tribe evolutionarily to survive as our human species. Mm-hmm. And so you have the the people who take care of people, the talkers, and then there's the third population. The third population. If we're ever going to have conflict, it's usually with these guys. I call them the organizers and the memorizers. Oh, man. It's that, you know who I'm talking about. It's that group of people who lives for fine print. It's the ones who are volunteering to be on, like, the rules committee. It's the ones who want to be part of the homeowners association. They love status through, like, getting elected and being part of something, you know. And, Mm -hmm. And it's, like, all of the shit that people like us can't stand. It's so funny you say that. Like I belong to, I'm Jewish, so I belong to a synagogue and they have these meetings, yeah? Like I'm sure churches and mosques and, you know, and other religious organizations have the same type of thing where you've got like a committee and you've got to kind of sit there and listen to it. And like they've invited me to this committee so many times and I've honestly said to them, listen, guys, you don't want me in that room. I will go nuts. Like I just don't have time for like, you know, 20, 30 people to like have an opinion. I just like want to get down to like the point. Like they wanted to raise money for the synagogue. So one day I literally got up onto the pulpit and I just stopped prayers and I just said, hey guys, just to let you know, the air conditioning has stopped and we need money for that. So who wants to donate like, you know, a hundred bucks? Like we just need 10 people to donate a hundred bucks. Can I see a show of hands? And it's like one person puts up their hands and I'm like, that's it. One guy in this whole room, like, He's the only one that's going to pay for the air conditioning. Come on, guys. Like, what kind of community is this? And then suddenly two people, three people, four people. And suddenly we get 10 people, right? And I did that on two separate occasions. And I, in one, in literally, I think in, in seven minutes, I raised more money for the synagogue than they've raised in like three years. And they came up, people came up to me after. It's like, Daniel, how did you do that? That's incredible. I'm like, I just got up and freaking did it. Like, I don't want to go to meetings. I don't want to go to meetings. I just want to get to the point. You know, you know, you know exactly what I'm saying, right? It's like Daniel, so you you've just so eloquently demonstrated that you are not an organizer or a memorizer, right? Yeah, I, because because organizers and memorizers, you know what they want to do before they do anything? They want to figure out how it's going to end up. They want to know how it's going to be. They want to know five years into the future. They want you to do shit like reports and 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 usage logs and all kinds of other stuff that t- that literally try and predict what's going to happen next. And you know and I know that that's complete bullshit. Mm-hmm. And so if we're going to have conflict, it's going to be with them. And and here's what I want you to like. Here's what I want everyone to understand. Sometimes when I'm talking, it makes it makes it sound like I'm saying us against them. Yeah. And and it, and I'm not really, but I am. <laughs> and here's what I mean. <laughs> I don't think it's us against everybody else. But if you look at these groups, the caretakers that want everything to stay the same, the talkers who just want to talk their way out of everything and and don't really want to do like 
outcomes and drive the things. And then you look at the organizers and the memorizers. There are factions within those groups that would like to see our type of human being go away completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they will legislate and regulate and, and you know do everything they can to slow us down, create constraint, and stop our momentum because we scare them. Those groups, every one of them, think about you're an organizer and a memorizer, a talker, a, a caretaker. You are living in the present. You are living in the now. You are looking at what's around you. And then there's the fourth type of person, us. If you have the people who take care of people in your evolutionary tribe, the, the people who, who carry on oral tradition, the talkers, the people who are organizing the tribe, making sure you know seasons, making sure like the stuff that you and I wouldn't even pay attention to. <laughs> right. What is the fourth group that's missing? You look at that evolutionary tribe, what, do, what don't Futurists. they Futurists. What'd you say? Futurists. Futurists is a way to look at the evolutionary hunter. When you look at our tribe, mm-hmm. we had to have a subset of the population that was crazy enough, hardwired chemically, motivated enough, wouldn't turn it off, had the aggressive behavior that you just demonstrated and in, in how you described everybody else because we get up every single day and we go on the hunt. Yep. And when you look at the hardwired chemical nature of an evolutionary hunter, it is in, it's difficult to argue that that's not who we are because the evolutionary hunter is that human being that gets up and says, I can create a better future. You know, that used to be a hunt. Mm. And we say, I can go over that hill and make something new. And that used to be, I can go over there and kill for this tribe. Mm -hmm. And when you think of us as evolutionary hunters, the only time we truly feel comfortable in the world is when we are surrounded by other people exactly like us. That's why so many of us go to seminars and go to events and, and are part of masterminds because we only feel comfortable when we're around our tribe. Because I would present to you that if there's a subpopulation in any species that goes out and kills shit, it's probably not gonna get along with the rest of the species. <laughs> Do you know what's really funny is I just had an amazing analogy. Have you ever played the game Age of Empires? I haven't. Okay, so it's like one of these World of Warcraft kind of games where you you kind of have your you like you build up a civilization, right? In fact, there was another game called Civilization. So you you have like these uh, people who build their houses for you and then you build barracks and you've got fighters and you've got like all different types of things. But what's really cool about the game uh, Age of Empires is that you start off in this small space and you can only build more if you, there's like, you're basically surrounded by fog, right? So on your computer screen, you've got fog and then you've got this little clear space where you could build. The only way to build more is you have to walk and venture into the fog. And the more you venture into the fog, the more clear space you have, which means you can expand your civilization. The entrepreneur is the person who is walking into the fog and is expanding the civilization. No question, Daniel. Entrepreneurs are the only source of consistent human evolution, and we always will be. And I believe entrepreneurs are the most important people in the world. And everything that we're experiencing, everything around us, the world that surrounds us has been touched by an entrepreneur. You and I wouldn't be able to be doing what it is right now that we're doing if it wasn't for hundreds of entrepreneurs, all who who got up one day and said, I can do something better. 
and combine to give us the experience we have today. Mm -hmm. You know, the problem is the world has this massive judgment against people like us because we scare the shit out of them. We get up every day and say, hey, your little world that's so perfect, let's make it better. Your little world that you want to keep the same, let's make it bigger. Your, your world that you don't want to have change, we see this outcome that's so far beyond where you're existing right now, it doesn't even meet the paradigm of existence you have. And we scare the crap out of them. So they medicate, they diagnose, they, they, they push us back as far as they can. And, you know, I, I think for people like us, we need to remember who we are. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you a question, Alex, because um, I feel like a, a lot of the listeners are going to be like nodding their heads, like they're going to be running or driving or whatever they're doing. And they're just going to be nodding their heads going, yes, yes, yes. But here's the thing. I want to shift gears for a second. As an entrepreneur, you're born with a double-edged sword, right? So on the one hand, we have so much creativity, we've got so much drive, so much passion, we're like so filled with energy, and we just want to conquer the world. Like we want to conquer our world, we want to leave a legacy, we want to touch as many people as we can. But on the other edge of the sword, we get depressed, we get down, we get overwhelmed, we get scared, we feel like, what's the point? We feel like, what do we do? Like, how do I do it? Like, can I even do it? And, I, and I'm, I promise you that every entrepreneur, and you know this, Alex, if you're an entrepreneur, you feel that, right? You've been through times where you're just like, oh, I don't know what to do now. Or I don't know, like, what am I supposed to do? I, I just get overwhelmed. Or like, you'll watch like a Tony Robbins, you know, video and just be like, yes! And you're like, yes! And then you're just like, now what? Like, what do I do now? Right, or you'll watch Gary Vee and you'll be like, yeah, this is so inspiring, how do I build a business? How do you combat that? Um, it's interesting that, that you asked this question today. You know, I just, <laughs> just an hour ago did a live stream um, because somebody in a friend of mine's group um, posted that he had had a full-blown panic attack and suicidal thoughts yesterday. Whoa, man. Um, and this, this happens all the time, you know, uh, let's, let's look at the hard wiring of an evolutionary hunter. Let's just take that. This is this, this theory and, and take it a little bit further. We are, we are driven to get up, to go forward, to create outcomes, to make things happen. And we are also driven to operate with a level of certainty. We feel not that it matters to anybody else in the world, but that we feel. Do you, do you, would you, do you resonate yeah. with that, Daniel? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So here's what happens to us. When we go out on the hunt and we can't see what we're going to kill, we don't know whether we're winning or not, and we don't have a tribe around us, Yeah. we can get completely out of who we are. We can become um, completely symptomatic. And when we experience constraint of any kind, yes. we are physiologically sensitive, momentum-based beings that are highly reactive to constraint. And when constraint enters our lives, it can make us almost immediately physically, cognitively, and chemically symptomatic. In fact, your body can break down almost immediately. Daniel, would you agree? A hundred percent. Yeah, I and know the you, feeling you almost immediately start having like focus problems, brain fog. You can't really understand what you're going to do next. Like cognitively you break down. Would you agree? Yep. And, and here's the big one. Chemically 
wouldn't you agree that when those things happen, like chemically, you know you are set off in the world that you're not reacting the right way. There's an overreaction, an underreaction. You're just not tuned in to where you should be. Mm-hmm. Yep. So this is what happens to us. And, and so what I've just described is the feeling of being in constraint. But what I want everyone to understand is for, that for people like us, part of the issue is that we're trying to exist in the world that the rest of the people occupy, that the the organizers and the memorizers and the talkers and the caretakers occupy, because in their world, things are different. They aren't hardwired like we are. They actually understand things like happy and sad. And Mm. Daniel, I don't don't want you to think I'm crazy when I say (laughs) I don't think you understand happy and sad. And let me tell you what I mean by that. What I mean is this. We've all figured out the difference between happy and sad. It's on and off. But what's the difference between sad, pissed off, ticked off, frustrated, upset, confused, and just plain not going to talk to you? I don't know if there is, is there a, a I don't know if there is a difference. Maybe you're just describing the same thing in different terms. It for me that's exactly what it is, Daniel, because I don't think that people like you and I exist in the world of feelings. In fact, I would present to you that evolutionary hunters don't have time in the present for the world of feelings. Isn't that a if problem? Isn't that a, isn't that a problem, though, Alex? I mean, like, like here's the thing. Like, I'll listen to people uh, like Tim Ferriss will talk about meditation and, and being in the moment and living in the moment and breathing. And there's this whole movement called um, um, mindfulness, right? And I, I'll be honest with you, I just, I tr- I've tried, I've tried to sit and meditate. I've tried to just kind of breathe and just, but I, I can't, I can't. Like when I go to the beach with my wife and kids, I get, I, I like, I mean, I could do it for a couple of hours, but then I start getting anxious. Like I got to go, like I could take a vacation for like, mm, I would say 10 days is like the max. And then afterwards I'm going crazy. Like I semi-retired a couple of years ago. And I could have just done nothing, but I couldn't. I'm just like, I got to do something. But isn't that an issue? Like, I don't know. I feel like society is almost saying that's a problem. Like, you should be comfortable being in the moment. So, Daniel, here's 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 how I would put that. Like, I think Tim Ferriss is hardwired just like me. I've met Tim. Uh-huh. And, um, and, and he is, if there's ever been an evolutionary hunter, it's Tim Ferriss. Right. But if you listen to what he's saying is he lowers the noise in his life. He, and by the way, I meditate and I can show you how, because we've all been taught a bill of goods on meditation. Any entrepreneur can, I've had thousands of people meditate in a two minute exercise in my, my classes. And I've never had an entrepreneur say it wasn't successful. So you can too. Okay. Because we've just been sold this, like this unfair expectation around it. And the, the fact is this, Daniel, uh, is it a problem for who? You know, the fact uh, you and I are momentum based beings. So here's what I know about us. If we are in flow, if we are accomplishing, if we are achieving and we are in momentum, how does that feel, Daniel? Feels amazing. Feels awesome. Yeah. Is, doesn't it feel alive? Yeah. Yeah. hundred so, percent. So- We, so I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter what religion you are. I've read every one of the books. I've studied every theology and 100% of them say, if you are in flow and you are creating, you're moving forward and you're contributing and you're, you're being who you are, 
that that is when you are truly alive and connected and and that is what your goal is and for people like us we're not like the rest of the world we can't get that feeling from being on a committee right we can't get that feeling from talking to someone about the game last night we can't get that feeling from you know helping someone clean their house we only get that feeling from creating a hunt an outcome, something that compels us in the world, and then driving towards it is the only time we feel alive. And I'm, I have the same story you have, Daniel. I, I tried to retire when I was 30, and nine months later, I was one of the largest home buyers in Florida as my hobby because <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> it lasted like 48 hours. And it's funny that you said you could go on a 10-day vacation because most of my clients, four to seven days is tops. Yeah. But at the end of the day, here's what we have to learn how to do is that we need to learn how to create our own type of presence, our own type of in the moment, our own type of being in the now. Because when I feel most present is when I'm getting up in the morning and I have four or five calls during the day where I know there's going to be massive outcomes, where I'm connecting with other entrepreneurs and we're making things happen in a leveraged way. So it's not me doing all the work, but the work is getting done in a much bigger way. And when at the end of the day, I can say that there were things that actually happened that, that I feel connected to and that give me momentum. And if I can do that every day, that's when I continue to feel alive. Okay, so stop for a second, Alex, because this is where I want to really di dive in deep. You talked about leveraging. You talked about how when you wake up, you've got these calls set up and you know it, it's going to be a massive day. There's a lot of people who will be listening to this where that's not happening. In fact, the opposite. They may be waking up and they're like, mm, what am I doing today? Or they may be in a situation where they're kind of, trying to build a business, but it's just not scaling and they're just like doing everything, right? How do you ultimately, I mean, you grew, you built one of the fastest growing companies in America. So like, what do you do? How do you do it? How do you scale? Like, can you just break that down for our listeners and how do you scale a company up? Absolutely, um, Daniel. Um, but I'm going to sound contrite and it's going to sound like I'm giving really simple advice. Okay. Uh, and I apologize, but I just want anyone who's actually listening to hear this. Um, I've worked with people who have grown billion dollar companies in this lifetime. I've, um, I've been up close and personal in, in some of the hardest meetings of their lives with some of the most brilliant people in the world. Mm -hmm. And um, I've, I've, I've watched entrepreneurs create outcomes that everyone around them, when they were saying, Hey, look, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, the entire world was saying it's a train and they were able to do it anyway. Mm. And I saw consistent habits in those people and consistent ways that they looked at the world. And one of those things is that successful entrepreneurs obsessively lower pressure and noise in their lives. And here's what I mean by that. You know, pressure and noise is different for everyone. Like it's what does, what creates operational drag for you? What slows mm -hmm. you down? What frustrates you? What, yep. what is it that if you don't do it, you know, you're not going to be as effective and efficient. And, right. and the easiest thing for any entrepreneur out there who's getting started right now today to do is start by taking care of yourself. 
get up in the morning and get outside and go on a 20 minute walk. Go outside and breathe air and, and see natural daylight. Um, hydrate far more than you ever thought was humanly possible. What like does make that mean? yourself a fine tuned machine. And, and, and here's here you know the the challenge for most entrepreneurs today is that we've been sold this this like hustle at the expense of everything else and and it's not how it works. You so know, I'm, I'm going to tell you I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to throw myself in the ring here and I'm going to be completely open and honest. I got to a place in my life. I'm now 33. I have four kids. I'm married. Ten years. I've I built a successful company which basically runs itself, right? So I outsourced everything. I hated staff. I hated dealing with them. I hated dealing with clients. I hated chasing payments. I hated sale. I, I just hated, I, I just wanted to close deals. That's basically all I wanted to do was just come up with new ideas, close deals. That's it. I, anything else, I hated. So I outsourced everything. And I got to a point in my life where I basically became very complacent. And like, I don't know how to say this, but I've, I've built, an, I mean, I've now got a, a successful podcast show, right? And I've got a business that I'm building and I'm hoping to build it into an eight figure business. But I still feel complacent because I wake up whenever I feel like waking up. And sometimes, and this is going to be completely like just me putting myself out there. I sometimes wake up at 10 o'clock in the morning. And it sucks, but at the same time, I just feel tired. I feel exhausted. I just don't want to get out of bed. And quite frankly, I don't need to get out of bed because I know that my company's running and I'll get stuff done and I'll make it happen and I'll stay up till one in the morning, you know, if I need to. But I think I'm complacent. I'm just throwing that out there. Like, I want to be getting up at, at six in the morning. I like, I really, Alex, I want to be that person, but for some reason, it's just really freaking hard. I mean, it, you know, it's completely expected, Daniel. It's completely expected. Let me, I mean, it's, it's so clear in the description and I appreciate your transparency. Um, because let's, let's, let's like, let's open some doors for you right now mm -hmm. and let's change that. Um, and it's as easy as this discussion because here's here, here's what I'm hearing, and I just want to make sure that I can confirm it is that you know you built a business basically to get away from everything you didn't like, from leaving Correct. people, from having to deal with things like that. Whole business was a defensive measure. Yes. So it was an entirely protect myself from the world i'm going to i'm going to make it so that i'm okay my family's okay my wife's okay i'm going to make it so that we're insulated and so that insulation is there and it's stable yeah 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 okay. i mean i yeah 100% i i i've okay. been kicked on the streets you know before so yes okay and so and the contrast from where you were to where you are now is ridiculous, right? Like from yes. where you were to being able to sleep until 10 a.m., how, how dramatic is that contrast? Oh, it's, yeah, for sure, it's huge. So when I listen to you, what I, what I know in my heart is that there's nothing that you're really motivated and really excited about right now. In fact, <laughs> I would even guess that that eight-figure business 
is something that you're thinking to yourself like, yeah, I can do it, but it's just easy. And I know I'm going to hit 10 million. And then what do you do after that? And like, what is it? Right? Yeah. 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 Cause like, I don't really care. Like I don't really give a, like I don't really care. Like who cares? So I'll make 10 million. Like who cares? Like really, it doesn't like, what I really want to do is I want to inspire people. I want to get on stage. I want to change people's lives. I want to help people. Um, making millions of dollars, like tens of millions of dollars. Like I live very comfortably. My my wife and kids are very comfortable. We we you know we we're, we're going on a very nice vacation on the beach in a hotel. It's expensive, but I mean, saying like like I don't like you know what I'm saying. Like that's where yeah. I, you're right. Yeah, you're right. That's right. You know, here's here's what it is, Daniel. It's that that up until this point, and this is a conversation I have with entrepreneurs five times a week. Because up until this point in your life, you've been motivated by what primarily motivates an evolutionary hunter, survival. But survival to you didn't mean what it means to everybody else. Get a job, get protection, get a pension, get health care, all those weird things that you, people like you and I think, what, are you going to wear shackles for the rest <laughs> of your life? Right. Right? And, but but what, it, what survival meant to you was create something nobody's ever seen before that is going to protect my family. So, like, go on a hunt in a completely new way. If you look at evolutionary hunters – We've created the entire evolution of mankind. The first tools ever created were for hunting. They weren't for artwork. They weren't for anything else. They were for hunting. Yeah, you know what? In Israel, I'm, I live in Israel and all the high tech. By the way, Israel Tel Aviv is the, the second uh, after Silicon Valley. It's the second biggest high tech, uh, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, bubble. So, but here, get this. Do you know where most of that, pretty much almost all of that high tech originates from the Where? israeli the israeli defense force yeah the warriors the warriors the warriors and and you know what the the funny thing about if you ever get the opportunity to go hang out with military guys mm-hmm. some of the most intense human beings i've ever met some of the most intelligent human beings i've ever met are special forces you sit right. down with those guys and they're, they're, it's ridiculous. They could run anything they want. The, the types of things that they're capable of putting themselves through, it's incredible. But who are they? They're evolutionary hunters. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and here's, here's where you are, Daniel. Once an evolutionary hunter can survive, we have to find something besides the threat of death to motivate us. And when I hear the story I hear from you, what I know is – that there is not clarity around who you want to help. There's clarity around wanting to make a contribution. Mm-hmm. But you haven't connected to that tribe that you want to help yet. And, and here's, here's what I want you to think about. Um, you know, I'm friends with Russell Brunson, and he has a great way of putting this. He, yeah. you know, when you're, it, it's, he, and I'm paraphrasing, and I'm mixing my shit in there as well. Mm-hmm. But Russell says that when you're ready to go do it, you know, and be, and, and be the person who's going to contribute, um, it's usually going to be the person you just were or to your biggest pain. And what happens is when we make this turn from survival to contribution and we connect to that tribe, this is when we become truly magical. This is when we really become the people who, who, who are followed by, by massive amounts of people. This is, and it's connecting to those people, Daniel. So you're saying find the people that are going through the same thing that I'm pretty much going through and helping them? 
Oh, or was or was right. You know, I mean, here's here's what I heard is that you were someone who was different. Mm -hmm. um, were you weren't even really like the same as the other people in your church? You didn't really match up with conventions, and so what you did was you went out and you figured out a way how to automate an entire business so that you could be protected and be on your own. There's millions of people out there that want to learn how to do that. Hmm. There's millions of people out there who want to learn that mindset. There's millions of people out there who just want to understand your decision making. And, you know, when I, when I, but here's the, here's the most important part, Daniel, is that it doesn't matter if I think it's a good idea. What it has to be is that you wake up one day and you say, like, these people are more important to me than anybody else. And for me, um, you know, about four years ago, I went through a similar awakening and I was writing a book called Constructive Company and, and really as an effort to help entrepreneurs because this has always been my tribe. And, uh, you know, I, I was always the weird kid in school and, and the older I got and the more I worked with successful people, the more I realized they were all the weird kid in school. And, and I started to realize that yes. my tribe was the, right. Yeah. My, my tribe was the people who were running businesses and who were doing things. So I was going to write this book on how to run a business. And I got to the part for the book proposal where I wrote about my client and it became <laughs> 25,000 words in a weekend Wow! And spilled out. And I realized that the people I want to help are, you know, the people who have always been told there's something wrong with them. And, you know, growing up, I went from um, special education in school, which means that you're getting additional help to when they did testing. I was uh, I was put in advanced classes. Then I then I got put back into normal classes and back to advanced classes. And I was completely confused as a kid. I didn't understand social situations. Wow. And, and as an adolescent and a young adult, I was told I had ADD and ADHD, bipolar. I was depressed. <laughs> I was manic. Um, you know, I, uh, I had teachers tell me I, I had learning disorders. I, I was dyslexic, dysmorphic, dysgraphic, all kinds of shit. <laughs> and, and by the time I was, you know, in my mid-teens, I, I, I mean, I, I think I had heard so much negative that I decided, like, wow, everywhere I turn, it's negative. So I better figure this out on my own. And, um, you know, I, I felt like I was so separated from success that I couldn't even see it from where I was. And so I, I, as a kid, I obsessively read books and I, I started with self-help. And the problem was by the time I got to the 10th book, it started contradicting the first one. Yes. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? And, and it just exactly confused the shit about. out of me. You're literally describing me. It's quite funny. The whole thing, the whole thing from being in school and everything from being alone and realizing you got to figure this out yourself because nobody else gets you. And literally it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's scary. It's not scary, Daniel. We're brothers. We just didn't realize it because our whole lives we were convinced we were different because when you look at the systems in the world, they might work for everyone else, but they break people like us down. And over time, we are convinced that we are isolated, alone, and a party of one. And... What happened to me was I started reading about successful people because self-help was confusing. And, and so I just wanted to learn, like I, I instinctively started looking at examples. 
and I expected to find something different. I expected to find something that I didn't have. I expected to find some magical power. And, and, and here's what, what happens hmm. if you read like 10 biographies, it does seem that way. Yeah. But I said I was obsessive and, and, you know, even though I'm dyslexic when I'm alone and, 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 and I'm not bothered, I can read really, really fast. I kind of get into a zone where I can absorb quickly. And I've, <laughs> I've read thousands of biographies right. of successful people. And here's what you find. They were all disordered. They were all different. They were all told they weren't good enough. They were all pushed down and shoved down and had to overcome. And the more I read about successful people, the more I realized they were just like me. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, for anyone who's listening, who's felt like me, like you've been alone, like you're different, like there is no place for you. One, I want you to think about building a business because you don't need insulation, you need an empire because the rest of the world, they're out to get us. And two, I want you to think about anyone throughout history you remember, anyone who matters to be remembered, anyone who's ever inspired you or whose names made you think twice or who you felt like I want to be a little bit like them. Mm-hmm. What I want you to know is that that is your club. That is who you are. That is your tribe. And you're part of the most important group in history. And you are not alone. And there is nothing wrong with you. Wow. That's incredible. Uh, We hit a nerve, huh? (laughs) It's a raw nerve. Why? Why do you think it's so raw? Because I have been in the room and on the plane and at the resort and (laughs) um, in the helicopter (laughs) with the person who has... um, dedicated their lives to creating a company that serves the world. And um, I have watched the aggressive um, attacks and uh, pursuit and um, criticism that they endure because they're one of the few people in the world who's brave enough to stand up and say, it can be better. It can be something new. It can be something different. And we can make this world a better place. And they're one of the even fewer that is willing to go out and get the leverage. Be vulnerable enough. Expose themselves enough and insist that the world changes. And I think every person listening to this podcast not only has that capability, but it is exactly that person. And I don't want any of you to ever feel like you can't because the rest of the world says so, because you can. And throughout history, the person who didn't have everything it took the person who was broken, that didn't speak like everyone else, that didn't learn like everyone else, read like everyone else, grow up the same way, or even look the same way, is exactly the person 
who went on to change the world. And I don't want any of you to forget it. Wow. That's incredible. You know who the one person that kept showing up in my mind while you were saying that? It was my grandfather. <laughs> it's wild. My, my grandfather was in the Holocaust and he was about 14 years old and he watched both of his parents get shot in the head in front of him and eight of his siblings, all of them murdered. And when the bullets were flying, one bullet hit him in the shoulder and he, he lay down amongst all the bodies and he knew that if he got up, they would shoot him again and he could die. And so he lay there until it got dark and then he climbed out and then they caught him and they hung him twice because the first time the sirens went off and he managed to escape and the second time the sirens went off again and he escaped and then another time he was by the gas chambers he was about 15 feet from the gas chambers and a nazi was standing right next to him with a horse and the horse made on the nazi's boot and the nazi turned around to the person closest to him who was my grandfather and he said come out here you dirty jew and clean this up and my grandfather bent down and cleaned up the boot and the nazi said get out of here. When my grandfather was liberated, he had every right mm. to give up on life. He, he literally watched life just, just die. Like he was, he was, he just saw death all the time. And how many people just drugged themselves up and how many people just committed suicide and how many people just gave up and they had every right to give up but my grandfather for whatever reason and i and i think it's because of this fact that you're talking about he saw a better future and he rebuilt himself and he built up his family and because of him i'm alive today and that's who i think of when like to me that is he he was i mean he passed away two years ago at the age of 83 but he was the epitome of I don't even, I can't even say the word entrepreneur because it's just so abused. And how can I, he's like, that's not the word. Like it's. He was an hero. evolutionary. He was an evolutionary. He was a hero. He was a hero. Yeah. Yeah. See, Daniel, that's who you are. And uh, when you feel that, that, that complacency, it's um, it's just a reconnection to who you want to serve and meditating and thinking about and writing about that person that will change everything for you. And if you take the next couple of days and think about it and give yourself some space and take some long walks and um, drink a lot of water and eat some healthy foods and start thinking about who it is that really matters to you in the world you, like every other evolutionary entrepreneur throughout history, will connect to a tribe and go change the world. Wow. wow. Alex, it has been like, really, I'm, I'm so honored to have had you on the show. Um, I'm so glad that we got to meet. And, um, you know, for, for the people listening, um, I'm, 
I'm so sure that they're going to want to reach out to you. How do they get a hold of you? Um, anyone who who's listening, the, the first thing you should do is download my book, The Entrepreneurial Personality Type. It's about a 90-minute read, um, and it will help you understand yourself better, immediately stop limiting behaviors, and create momentum. And you can do that for free. It's at freemomentumbook.com. So free momentum book, and that will get you on my list so that you understand what we're doing and when we have stuff coming out. We're releasing a podcast called the entrepreneurial personality type later this month. Oh. Um, so in July and, uh, I'm excited about it, Daniel, this is, mm -hmm. it's, it's not an interview format. It's me, um, just sharing about the entrepreneurial personality type like I did today. And, mm -hmm. um, I would love to have any of your listeners subscribe and, uh, and I'm I'm very excited about this being an Israeli-based um, podcast because um, I've my my whole life I've always had a ton of friends that are Jewish, partners who are Jewish, and I think that um, you know I, if you read the book Thou Shall Prosper, mm -hmm. there's almost a entrepreneurial um, there's an entrepreneurial uh, bias in the Jewish religion that yeah. that, um, that I oh, just. Yeah. I love and uh, I'm so excited for people in Israel to be exposed to this this information and um, because it's it's if you look at the world today I think it's like this incredibly bright spot of entrepreneurial activity and innovation and growth mm -hmm. in this incredibly dark um, area of conflict and that just, it, I mean, those types of things, I think there's a reason. I think there's an energetic reason. I think there's a, a, a evolutionary reason. And, uh, and I just, I'm excited to be exposed to, to that side of the world. So thank you, Daniel. Cool. Well, I, I highly, highly encourage those listening to grab that link and download that book. I know I'm going to be doing it. Um, if you want to uh, get to the link you could just go to uh, danielgeffen.com forward slash 95 that's danielgeffen.com forward slash 95 where you'll see the links and all the resources in the show notes alex thank you so much again for letting me pick your brain and uh, thank you to all my fellow brain pickers I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.